Welcome to Run Your Mouth. I'm your host, David Melly. This week's guest is Paige Stoner, the newly crowned U.S. Marathon champ with her 226.02 course record victory at the 2022 California International Marathon earlier this month. Paige is a truly versatile runner who was an All-American in track and cross-country at Syracuse University, ran her debut marathon at 24 years old, and has found success in the track as a pro in the steeplechase, the 10K, and everything in between. We talked about her exciting year that included getting married, moving from Virginia to Flagstaff, and self-coaching her way to a marathon personal best. We also covered wedding celebrations, uphill tempo runs, the best Christmas gifts, and much, much more. Enjoy the episode as you get your winter running done or wrap your holiday presents. Don't forget to rate and review Run Your Mouth and all your other Sidious Mag faves wherever you get your podcasts. And thanks so much for your support of the podcast this year and every year both in the past and in 2023. Thanks again, and until next time, this has been Run Your Mouth. Welcome to Run Your Mouth, long run talk for long talking runners. This week, I am thrilled to have on a guest who is fresh off her first national title. Um, so we can introduce her for the first time as U.S. Marathon Champion, Paige Stoner. Welcome. Hey, uh, thank you for having me on. Excited to be here. <laughs> That's got to feel pretty good, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> So how how have things been since the race? So we're, we're recording about, I guess, a week and a half. I did my first run since CIM yesterday. I don't, I don't know if you're back to training or you're still in vacation mode. Yeah, so I just took what I'm calling a little a little break from my break because I was, um, my husband and I went up to Syracuse Monday through yesterday, um, Wednesday. And um, so I really wanted to, I still am, have some friends on the team there and wanted to go for a run and um, so I did a run on Tuesday and then one on Wednesday, and now I'm going to go back to break mode through the rest <laughs> of the weekend. <laughs> are the roads clear up there? Are they Have they been slammed with snow yet? Um, they had a little bit of snow on the ground and, um, I'm back here in Pennsylvania now. And I think both us and New York are getting hit with a couple inches today. <laughs> so not a bad time, all things considered to be, uh, back on your break. Exactly. I, I had no desire to go out, get out there when I looked outside this morning. <laughs> um, well, backing up even to uh, to the race itself. So so fresh off a, a big PR, a big win and just a really impressive performance all the way around. Walk us through the race. How, how did everything go? What how did the pieces come together? Yeah, so um, the plan was kind of to try to settle into like 535, 540 pace. And um, I'm friends with Elena Tab, who was also in the race and her plan was same thing. So we were kind of like, cool, you know, let's try to run together as long as we can. And so we found each other and um, yeah, we're right next to each other those first couple miles. And uh, we we're also with two other women, Molly and Lauren. And um, then unfortunately, Elena had to make a little bathroom stop I think it was like shortly after we got our second bottle. So um, she, yeah, she disappeared there and I wasn't sure exactly what happened, but I kind of figured that was probably the case. And um, then from that point on, it was really 
just myself and Lauren running together for like the next 10 miles or so. Um, and we were running a little quicker than I had anticipated. Like we were running a little closer to 5.30 pace, um, which was, yeah, I was just kind of surprised how easy that was feeling. But I just kind of kept checking in with myself and it felt really relaxed and comfortable. So I was like, okay, like, you know, try not to read too much into the splits and just focus on keeping that even effort um, so that's really what I was doing. And there were a few times where Lauren would pull away just a couple meters. And um, I felt like I would have had to press a little more than I wanted to, to keep up with her. So there were a couple points where I had kind of accepted like, oh, she might pull away from me here. But again, I was just like really focused on keeping the consistent effort. So um, but then I, I usually was reeling her back in on the hills. Um, so, yeah, but for the most part, I would say we were running side by side for a good 10 miles there in the middle. And then I think it was somewhere around mile like 18 or 19. I could kind of tell she was starting to fatigue and that was when I started to pull away. And I think uh, the wheels kind of came off pretty quickly for her. Cause I think I put a pretty sizable gap on, on her for like somewhere between miles like 19 and 22. I think I put that like over a minute gap on, between us and then uh right around mile 22 23 I started feeling like I was starting to fatigue and my quads were really just like I guess like I don't even know how to describe that feeling like it just feels like your body's deteriorating you know the the net downhill course it may be advantageous <laughs> time-wise but it definitely puts the pounding on your on your legs that's for sure <laughs> yeah so that was you know it was body was starting to fall apart a little bit and I remember coming through 40k and being like I do not know if I have two more k in me um but yeah I think you know just the adren adrenaline was always obviously rushing at that point and um, I had a couple guys around me that were super encouraging. And I think there were a couple of them who had done the Tracklandia bets and were like telling me that they had, <laughs> they had bet on me to win. So they were like, come on, like you got to do it. So That's that so would funny. Make me laugh. <laughs> yeah. Do you, so for those that don't know, the CIM is a co-ed start for both the men and the women at the same time. Do you prefer having the company of having the men with you or would you rather have the the sort of the field clear for for racing? Yeah, that was my first marathon. That was a mass start like that. And I thought it was really cool. I really enjoyed having them around for sure. As, uh, was your group, was it really just, you know, you and Lauren and, and Elena early on? Or were there other men that were sort of running around the same time in the same pack? Um, those, like the early miles, we weren't really running with any men in particular. There was one point where I want to say it was somewhere between like 10 and 15, maybe. Um, there was one guy, I don't know his name. Um, and we were drafting off of him a little bit. Um, so yeah, but there was never really like a specific group that we were with. You never know. We might find him based on, on the demographics of, of the podcast. It's entirely possible. He's listening it's, it's right possible. now. <laughs> I know he's, uh, his, the back of his jersey said mafia on it. So not entirely sure what, if that's like a a team name uh, that he's a part of or something, but mafia man. This is a good, uh, this is a good <laughs> assign homework assignment for the listeners. Track this yeah. man down, let him know Track he, him down. he was helpful. <laughs> um, so this is, this was marathon number three for you, right? Yeah. So, so what do you feel like, uh, the lessons that you've learned as you've sort of, uh, uh grown a bit as a marathoner? 
Yeah. So the first one I did was the marathon project. And that I like to say was probably the easiest debut marathon, you know, you could ever do is like perfect weather, perfectly flat course. We had pacers through 20 miles, you know, it's like, I, I knew as soon as I finished that, I was like, well, it's never going to be that easy again. So I don't know if that's a good or bad way to start off. Um, but yeah, that, that one went pretty smoothly. And then Boston, um, I just didn't do nearly enough downhill running to prepare for that. And um, I, I tend to be a pretty like quad dominant runner to begin with the way my form is. So yeah, my quads took a beating really quickly on that course. And I remember thinking at like mile 15, they, my legs felt the way they felt at mile 23 of the marathon project. So, um, yeah, that wasn't great. It was a total slog the last 10 miles of that one. Um, and I think I also did a little bit better on my nutrition this time around. Um, I used a lot more gels than I have in the past. And I, I found that it's a little easier for me to get calories in with the gels than the powder in the liquid. I find that that's, been the biggest sort of change for me like race to race is that I get better at fueling every time I, I yeah. go out like it's definitely something that you can kind of try you can kind of practice it in training but it's it's not the same as being like 20 miles into a race and like trying to run pace and be like can I get any of this bottle down right now <laughs> yeah it's it's definitely tough to prepare for um do you uh has has your Boston experience soured you entirely on the concept or do you, are you hungry to come back and, and have redemption? Uh, I'm definitely hungry to come back. Yeah. When I finished, I was very torn between like, I am never doing that again. And like, no, I need to come back and feel like I conquered that course. So <laughs> I'll be back. <laughs> that sounds good. Um, so obviously, so I was sort of catching up a little, um, you know, looking at your preparation for this you this was a big change marathon time for you in terms of this buildup because you were you were in Flagstaff full-time right yes uh and then um had left the group and and coach Fox um so what's the what's the setup now what are we working mm -hmm. with are you self-coaching do you have a new coach is it a secret <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I've um, parted ways with box at the end of July, um, on good terms. Like he was very understanding. It was just kind of like, we're at the point where there were a lot of, a lot of my teammates weren't re-signed by Reebok at the end of 2021. And, um, so like Amy had moved back to the UK, Josette's, you know, obviously a more track focused athlete and was still in the middle of her track season. So I was getting ready to shift gears for marathon training and, Marathon training solo is, you know, it's really tough and it's not a lot of fun. Um, so, you know, just had the conversation with Fox about wanting to get out West and have some people to train with. And I'm good friends with Sarah Pagano and I knew she was going to be prepping for New York and that she'd be training with Emily Durgan out there in Flagstaff. Um, so yeah, so I made the drive out there end of July and really hopped in workouts with Emily and Sarah and some of the other ladies from the Adidas team who were out there as well. And um, yeah, and then they started their taper for New York, you know, like mid to late October. And that's when my- like, Oh, I got to do a whole nother month of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I was like pretty jealous. I was like, honestly, I feel pretty ready to just do this now. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
But yeah, so my training was really ramping up right around then. So we kind of had to part ways then, but of course still had plenty of people for easy runs. And, but yeah, I was totally in controlling my mileage and, um, Terrence was still helpful with like, I, you know, ran some ideas by him for those final couple weeks of training. And, um, yeah, so it was kind of a mix of self-coaching with, um, hopping in with those ladies and getting some guidance from him. Do you have, do you like the self-coaching thing or is your plan to try and find a, a new group or a new coach or just kind of keep rolling with, with what's working right now? Yeah, I, I didn't mind it so much. I was actually surprised. Like, yeah, I didn't think it was, it was too difficult to, I know my body and like what works for me pretty well at this point, I think. And especially like the marathon, I think it's a pretty simple event, right. In terms of like what you need to do to prepare. I think if I was trying to self-coach for a 5k or 10k, I probably wouldn't feel as confident. Um, so definitely looking to, um, have a new training environment coach and team here soon. We're getting pretty close to having that figured out. So should be able That's to exciting. make it <laughs> shortly. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, keep us posted for sure. Um, and, and the plan is to stay in to hopefully to stay in flag, uh, if, if everything works out. Yes. I'll definitely be in Flagstaff. How are you liking it so far? I love it. Yeah. Um, I was kind of blown away by the amount of dirt roads and trails. Like I felt like every week there I was being introduced to a new run spot and, um, yeah, the community is, is pretty great. You know, obviously there are lots of different groups or just individuals kind of doing their own thing. And I think, I don't know, everyone was super friendly and welcoming and is everyone kind of meets up with everyone, you know, like it just really feels like a big family out there. I know there's there's sort of always a, a friendly rivalry among the various uh the Flagstaff based pros and in Boulder uh and anywhere <laughs> else. Do you yeah. what's the pitch on Flagstaff versus other altitude training spots? What's the the competitive advantage? Um I so I have done some time in Boulder. So my fifth year at Syracuse, I didn't have cross-country eligibility. And I took a leave of absence and I went out to Boulder and I was nannying for a family and running and um, I enjoyed my time there as well. But I I do think I just, I don't know, I like the vibe of in Flagstaff a little bit more. Something about it, I, I, I don't know what it is, but um, the people there are great. No shade on the Boulder, the Boulder <laughs> folks. Y'all are, y'all are great as well, but um, I feel like I, I fit in with the Flagstaff vibe a little bit more. And in my opinion, there there are a lot more places to run in Flagstaff. That's always that's always good, uh, particularly um, you know as the weather turns. You know, having options uh, when when things uh, get uh, get a little sloppy out there is definitely uh, important. As you know, as a Syracuse alum, more than anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, seen my share of snow for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the things I was kind of curious about was when you uh, you know, moved to the marathon in 2020, you know, conventional sort of wisdom, at least in terms of how folks kind of typically do it is that, you know, you sort of, you move up in distance and then you really focus on the roads and you've sort of bounced around all over the place, steeplechase, cross country, 5k, 10k. What was sort of the thinking over the past couple of years in terms of keeping you know, such a wide menu of racing options on the table for you? 
Yeah. Um, well, in college, I, yeah, I bounced around between steeple 5k, 10k. Like I just thought the steeple was so fun. Um, but I think the Syracuse program is very like 10k cross country focused. So just the way our training was, I was always like very prepared for a 10k and I, but I didn't love the 10k. So <clears throat> I was kind of always, you know, trying to convince my coach that I could be an equally good steeplechaser. Um, and he, he really allowed me to choose to do whatever I wanted come championship season. Um, yeah. And I think I just always enjoyed the variety too. Like, I think it's fun to keep things fresh and be mixing things up. So I think that kind of carried over into when I first started out as a pro as well. And, um, coach Bell, my college coach had always told me I was going to be a marathoner and I didn't think I'd get into it as early as I did, but like when there was nothing going on in 2020, you know, for the most part, it was like that popped up as an option and um, got me excited to potentially, you know, have something to train for. And so that's how I decided to, to do that marathon. When, when that first one went so well, was there sort of the temptation to just like keep it rolling? Like I'm just going to do, you know, two marathons a year for, for the rest of my career. Um, not really. I think I still felt like I had a lot of unfinished business on the track and a lot of goals there. Um, and I've heard a lot of marathoners say that, um, it's really important to go back to the faster stuff and that, that, you know, it's, it's going to make your marathon pace feel that much easier. And so I think that's going to continue to be what I do. Um, at least for in the near future here is switch back to the shorter, faster stuff and, uh, I'd love to break 15 minutes in the 5k still like stuff like that still really excites me. So I would love to turn my attention back to that and then, um, you know, go back to focusing on the marathon sometime later next year. Is there a chance where we're going to get you in a, in a B race come February? Uh, maybe I don't think so. I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> Might be a little soon. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I love that track and it would be fun to just like go rip a mile or something, but it probably wouldn't go very well, <laughs> even though, well, even with the BU magic, you never know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, why, uh, why the focus on the 10 K at trials last year instead of the steeple? Um, so I, in 2021, yeah, I was still toying with the idea of doing steeple, at the trials and I, I ran steeplechase at the Drake relays and I just felt like I know, it's, it, steeplechasing it at the professional level is very different from college level. Maybe not so much now. I feel like there is a little more depth at the top of the college scene now than there was when I was in college, but majority of my collegiate steeple races were just me going out from the gun, you know, leading from the front and steeple is very different when you're just like running solo like that, you know, can see all the barriers and it's almost like, you know, just like you're time trialing. Um, so I had very few experiences probably other than like NCAAs and then like 2019 USAs where I'd actually run in a pack in the steeplechase. Um, so that's kind of when I ran Drake relays in 2021, uh, I just, I don't know. I felt like it felt very different from my kind of college steeple running days. And I felt like in order for me to make that next jump in steeplechase, I would really have to go all in and just commit to like getting my form, my hurdle form better. Cause that was never great. Um, and I don't know, coach Fox isn't like the 
most he's not really like a steeple I don't know how to put it like he he's never his philosophy when it comes to steeple has never been to like focus on um improving your hurdle technique or anything like that like I just don't think he has a lot of experience coaching steeplers so it's more so like coming at it from the strength background that 10k kind of training and just like hoping your strength kind of carries you through <laughs> that sort of fitness is fitness uh, yeah, mentality. yeah. yeah. <laughs> um do, so obviously both you know you talked sort of about your coaches feeling like there was like marathoning in your future when you were just running on the track what do you think it is about yourself as a runner that that makes you so well suited to the marathon yeah, that's a good question. I don't know if it's just a genetic thing. Like I definitely felt like in college, you know, we would finish long runs and I'd be like, yeah, could have run another 30 minutes, maybe more. I don't know. Like it definitely felt like there was just like, I definitely have that like ability to go long. And, um, so I, I don't know. And I think a lot of it's durability probably as well. Like I seem to be one of those people that can just handle the high high mileage really well so that certainly helps what's high mileage for you what are what are you sort of topping out at in a build up uh, I peaked at 115 this time around so I did <laughs> two weeks at 115 and then probably like I don't know there were like six or seven weeks between 100 and 110 before that that's some serious stuff <laughs> <laughs> my PR is 105 and I so I haven't okay. quite gotten up there but uh Maybe That's we'll awesome. see. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't yeah. a super like high mileage person in college, so I feel like it's always there are still kind of like incremental. Yeah, gains. it definitely it takes some time to to build up to it if you're a lower lower mileage college person for sure. Do you do you cross train at all, or you you sort of uh, just pound the pavement, do what you got to do, get out there and get the the miles in? Yeah, I'm not a cross trainer. <laughs> <laughs> That's you know sometimes I think. Uh, I mean, I, I'm the, a full firm believer that it's way harder to cross train for, you know, X amount of minutes versus just getting out the door and running instead. But yeah, I agree. I think, yeah, just mentally, um, I don't know, I don't enjoy it. So it's like, yeah. you know, I enjoy going out for that afternoon, 30, 40 minute run, but the idea of sitting on a bike or getting in the, the pool just sounds miserable. <laughs> Yeah. And then being able to handle the higher mileage, there's kind of like, well, I can do this. So exactly. why would I do anything else? Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Definitely understand that feeling. Um, and, and then I know, uh, you know, even just like, obviously Syracuse has such a strong cross country pedigree and, and that kind of mentality and attitude and training going mm -hmm. into the marathon does seem to, to translate. Um, do you feel like, you know, being a strong cross runner helped in your preparation or, or kind of like, you know, put you in that right mentality to be a good marathon or road racer? Yeah, I'm sure. I think, yeah, Syracuse training prepared me very well. Um, I don't think I was like super high mileage college runner, like usually 70 miles a week was probably pretty average for me. Um, but we did do a ton of just like yeah, strength work, like I was saying, very kind of cross-country 10K focused training. So it was a lot of like a staple of the Syracuse program is um, it's called Sweet Road. And it's this, <laughs> it's this road. I've, I think we've talked about this on the podcast before. Is this the okay. uphill tempo? Yep. Yep. So it's about, 
10 K long. And, um, it's just an absolute grind. Like the first time I did it, I, so I transferred to Syracuse in January of my sophomore year. And I remember the very first time I did it was shortly after I got there and it was just like blizzarding. We had a headwind and I made it like four miles in and I was just ready to walk. And I was like, what have I done? Like, this is a terrible decision. <laughs> Yeah. yeah then you're like uh, can you transfer twice is that a lot yeah, yeah. yeah it's like can I is it too late to go back <laughs> so so now kind of looking forward you know obviously sort of like the big uh you know specter in everyone's mind is 2024 and and particularly in the marathon the, it's just such a golden age right now for for women's marathoning um it seems like the field gets more crowded every day <laughs> um what is your maybe it's too soon to even think about it but for, for you sort of what is your mentality going into the next olympic cycle and thinking about you know trying to make that team yeah i think the best thing i can do right now is like i said turn my attention back to the shorter stuff actually um because i think getting my 5k and 10k prs down is going to translate to me being able to run 222, 223, which is the next step for me, you know, right now. And Orlando, from what I've heard, should be a pretty flat course. So I think, you know, it's going to play to the faster runner, more like track runner's strengths. Um, so I think more than anything, that's that's probably the best thing I can do right now is just try to improve and be more efficient over those shorter distances and hope that it translates to the marathon. Do you feel um, a sense of, uh, I guess, for lack of a better term, like imposter syndrome versus belonging? Like, what do you, when you're sort of on the starting line of a race like CIM or or US championships, are you kind of thinking like, wow, I'm flying by the seat of my pants or like, I'm here to beat anybody who lines up next to me? Yeah, I think um, after Boston, there was a little bit of doubt in my mind of like, okay, like I said, like the marathon project, pretty easy, you know, relatively for a marathon. And I just kind of thought like, okay, was that a fluke? You know, like everything was so perfect there, you know, will I be able to be a strong marathoner on some tougher courses when there is, it's more of a like competitive race versus that time trial feel, you know? So I think this one was really affirming to me, like, okay, I do belong in the marathon. And um, yeah, there was definitely some great competition at CIM. So just coming out on top and getting my first U.S. title certainly gives me some confidence. But I think at the same time, like, I'm I'm not naive to, you know, naive enough to think like, okay, now I've made it, you know, I'm like at the top of the top. Like, obviously we have... Kira and Emily who just broke the American record and then so many others who were competing at Chicago and New York this fall um, you know who are just incredibly talented athletes and so I think this was a great step in the right direction and it shows like I'm ready now to start competing against some of those ladies but there's still a lot of work to be done. It's exciting to to see because it's definitely going to be super fun just to watch as as uh, as a fan of the sport because it, it really it really could be anyone's anyone's race on the day for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. The marathon's just um it's it's just crazy the turns that can take throughout the course of the race. <laughs> 
Well, of course, transitioning now to the more fun part of it, what is what is your uh, preferred way to celebrate a marathon being over? What's the what's the <laughs> post race, the next day, the time off? What does that look like for you? Yeah, so um, initially, I, I like didn't I didn't get to go out in Sacramento at all, unfortunately. I so my husband wasn't out there, and so I just when I booked flights, I was like, well, I want to, you know, I knew after the race I was going to want to get back to him as soon as possible because we've been apart like we had been apart for about four months. He was still working in Charlottesville, um, so he had gotten to come out and visit once, but I really yeah had like not seen him very much over the last couple months, and was really looking forward to getting getting back east and being reunited with him. And so I had to fly back to Flagstaff and then like quickly like pack up my room that I'd been living in because <laughs> uh, there's someone else moving in there in January. So like had to get all my stuff together. And then I have a, a golden retriever that was out there with me. His name's Rollins. And um, I, I can't fly with him, unfortunately. So um, my agent, Josh Cox and his wife, Carrie, they volunteered to to dog sit for me for the month of December. So I had to drive him to California. <laughs> oh, no. Um, you had no celebration. You no, just had nothing so to initially, work. <laughs> initially, there was no celebrating. So then I flew from California to D.C. and Cody picked me up there. And then we went to Josette and Robbie's wedding. So that was like, obviously... Okay. Finally, <laughs> them, but I, I was like, I warned, you know, Josette, Cody, I'm like, all right, listen, like I, I'm, I'm totally letting loose here. So um, yeah, that's that was a good way to celebrate. First time I got to have a couple of drinks and yeah. <laughs> Do you have uh, a preferred beer, wine, cocktail? What's like the, what's the go-to party drink? Yeah. So I, I'm not a wine person at all. Really don't like wine. Um, I like some beers. I like sours and some IPAs, but I am a whiskey and tequila girl. Like if I'm, if I'm I'm trying to have a good time, I'm drinking whiskey and tequila on the rocks. Um, I I hope you don't mean literally like in the same glass. (laughs) No, 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 no. (laughs) Yeah. Not, not mixing the two. I was just kind of going back and forth. Um, the bartender was like a little bit concerned about me. I think like the, whi- <laughs> the whiskey on the rocks, like, she didn't have a problem with. But when I asked for tequila on the rocks, she was like, "Is this is this all Are for you?" Sure? So I was like, "Yes." <laughs> oh man, yeah. At least throw some sour mix in there or something, but <laughs> you're not messing around. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you know, obviously, best time of year to do other sort of celebration being Christmas season and everything. Um, do you have, uh, you know, the discourse is hot on this. Do you have a favorite go-to Christmas movie? Um, I'm not a huge Christmas movie person. We like, I don't know. I feel like Cody and I always try to watch whatever the, like the latest rom-com is that's sure. <laughs> holiday theme. So like, I don't think this is a new one, but the other night we watched holiday. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. I think yeah. it's on Netflix or something. Yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah. So that, that was a good one. We're always just looking for a good laugh. <laughs> that's, that's fair. Uh, do you have a go-to Christmas song? Um, I tend to like, I mean, I like the like newer pop Christmas stuff for sure, but I, I also really enjoy like the older, like Bing Crosby and oh, like the, the classics, Cole, yeah. like, <laughs> the classics um, that, that never misses. And, and obviously uh, I think this is going to come out probably early next week. So if somebody's doing their their last minute gift shopping, what's the best running related Christmas gift you've ever received? Oh. 
I don't know. That's that's a good question. I I feel like a massage gun is probably, you know, one of the any of those like no one's going to be upset about that. That's a good answer. Yeah, for sure. And even yeah. if you're not like a, a super high mileage runner, like you can always feel yeah. feel a little better just uh working out, working out the legs. Yeah. Yeah. I I will say I uh, as I've grown older, uh, a good like pair of winter running socks is a very appreciated gift like okay yeah my dad will always get me running socks and it's like kind of always a joke of like oh socks but it's like no I really do appreciate yeah these. no no like, that's, that's that's actually a great idea because like, that's one of those I things where I always am like I could use some socks and they're always like I don't know socks are always a little more expensive than I think they should be so I always appreciate that as gift and also there was a period of time where in Syracuse, I was not wearing higher running socks. I was wearing like the ankle length ones. And I have um, scars on my ankles from having oh, no. <laughs> just like <laughs> literally burned my skin from the salt, like cementing to, to oh. it when I was running on the roads in the winter. So get yourself some good socks. And, so some mid-calf yeah, uh, running don't, socks. Don't get third essential. degree burns on your ankles. <laughs> I would say overall, that's pretty good advice. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man. Um, and then, uh, uh, I guess the question then becomes, uh, you know, what is Rollins? He's probably not going to listen. So you can probably tell him what is Rollins going to get for Christmas? Oh man. Um, man, I'm a bad dog mom. You know, I didn't, I didn't <laughs> provide Josh and Carrie with a gift for him, but, um, yeah. It's not too late. You can get something it, in the mail. It's not. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to ship him something. But his favorite thing is just like any of those stuffed toys. He loves just ripping those. To <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, so and like getting getting the squeaker out as soon as he can. You know, he loves those. Better the toys than your furniture. So or clothes. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's perfect. Um, awesome. Well, we ask all of our guests the same three questions uh, every every episode. Um, so the first one is uh, your Instagram crush. Can't say your husband. That's no fun. <laughs> but it doesn't have to be just Instagram. It can be like a TikTok you're like enjoying. But what are you into on the internet these days? Uh, can it be a TV show? Oh, sure. Okay. I am obsessed with Casey from Yellowstone. I think the actor's name is Luke Grimes. Okay. Uh, but yeah he um very attractive love okay casey, casey from yellow so that's a good recommendation i've been hearing a lot about the white lotus lately so like uh-huh. i gotta mix some i haven't watched it but i gotta add yellowstone to the list now as well clearly yeah, yeah for sure <laughs> um and then next up is your your go-to karaoke song someone hands you the mic it's your time to shine what are you singing you've had a couple um, you've had a couple whiskey tequila <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately there was there was no karaoke at that wedding, but um I I think I would say baby Justin Bieber. Oh, that's a classic. That's a good yeah, one. Yeah, I mean I love the ludicrous rap. It's, it's good. Oh, this is actually this is not on um my list, but now that I think about it, uh the, I feel like more and more people are like putting on social media the lists of like must play and do not play wedding songs. When you got married, did you guys have a list? And if so, what was on it? Okay, yeah. I was actually just talking to... So we we have another wedding this weekend. Uh, two of our childhood friends are getting married. And 
she was telling me about that. I didn't know that was a thing. So when Cody and I got married, we actually, we just had a courthouse thing and we were like planning on shortly after having a more legitimate ceremony and um, with just like the move and all the changes going on right now, we we haven't been able to set up a date for uh, a more legit ceremony yet, but. Well, now you guys know you got to put a list together. <laughs> yeah, now I'm like very prepared. And that's actually like the music's really important to me. So I want to find a DJ that I can just be like, this is the list. This is what you're playing. <laughs> yeah, if anything, just plug in, you know, put, a, put together a Spotify playlist. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. What Do you do you have any? I, I, I don't know if I have any like true pet peeves. I do think there's you get like one to two line dancing songs at weddings like okay I feel like yeah that, you're I feel really like overplaying that's, it that's the big debate like do you want keep it shuffle do you want um what's the other one called the like the cha-cha slide yeah like, the cha-cha yeah, slide those. like that's, yeah. those, those are no goes for me I don't need that <laughs> I think you can throw one in there for fun but it's I'm like not, when yeah, they're back to, back to back to back I'm like a little yeah I won't complain about one or two but um yeah <laughs> that's for sure um and then last but not least uh actually factors into wedding planning as you as you plan the menu but uh your death row meal you're going to the chair you got one last meal of anything you want to eat what are you eating um so i think it would start off with some good italian bread and some good olive choice. oil like just love love a good loaf of bread um and then some homemade pasta also like in some oil and garlic, some Parmesan cheese and some meatballs for sure. Um, and then for dessert. Um, <laughs> so I love like, you know, like the just like classic, like local grocery store birthday cakes that have the super, super sugary. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that most people, most people hate. I like to me, there is nothing better. So just some vanilla cake loaded up with sugary frosting. Are you going like, uh, yeah, like vanilla, vanilla, like no chocolate in the, vanilla, in the mix, just pure. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Happy mm-hmm. death day. I guess like that's what you can write up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, excellent choices. Um, great. Well, well, thank you so much for, for coming on. And, and uh, this is a fantastic conversation. Um, can't wait to see. Hopefully we have some, you know, more exciting announcements coming down the pipeline soon um yeah. but you know until then we'll we'll be waiting uh waiting to see what what's up next for you um, yeah thanks thanks for having me on and yeah excited to have it all figured out soon <laughs> best of luck and uh until next time this has been run your mouth when i was 13 I have my first love. There was nobody that compared to my baby.